Welcome to the Project Fitness Podcast for fitness professionals and fitness enthusiasts who want to be better at life. Fitness is the greatest investment of anyone's life. However, it's not easily obtained, and anyone who says different is just plain wrong. Join award-winning personal trainer and strength conditioning coach Chris Fudge every Monday as he explores all aspects of fitness that can lead you to your optimal health. If you want to learn useful, practical how-tos of weight loss, exercise science, nutrition, or just how to optimize your time in the gym and life, this show is for you. Welcome to another episode of the Project Fitness Podcast, and today is another exciting day because I get to sit down with someone very special. Today I'm sitting down with a self-love and life coach, and for me this is going to be absolutely new because I don't know anything about this, and I'm excited to learn myself as well as sharing it with the audience. So we're sitting down with Marissa Hammond and Marissa's goal in life is to help others find the right tools so they can become self-aware and manage themselves on physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual level, really love themselves and have a life they are excited to live. That is quite the statement. Marissa, I try to get people to lose a few pounds of weight and maybe lift lift some some big weights, but you're doing some pretty big things here. Welcome to the podcast. I'm glad to have you. Woohoo! Thanks for having me on. I'm so excited. <laughs> so I'm just going to dive right into it. This is a different style of, of work. Not many people work in this industry. And, and people like you, I like people like you. And the reason why I like people like you is you bring this type of energy. You know, you know, whether you and I have been socializing on, on social media, uh, we had a phone call, just in general, like I, you bring this aura, this light of energy that's, it's, it's addictive, it's almost uh, contagious. And with it being 2021, the only time something is contagious that's good, I think is your energy. Perfect. <laughs> so doing what do you do, like, let's get right into it. Like, what is it? What is self-love? What's that all about? So self-love for me is it's an action it's a verb and something that i've figured out over the course of many years because i was at places for many years where i didn't love myself that's actually originally why i got into fitness i was in the fitness industry for seven years two years in school at algonquin college which is where i first met you yes yes yeah i i I wasn't kidding when i mentioned earlier i I think i got a parking ticket a few times when i was there and i'm like did i pay those (laughs) (laughs) say well it is what it is right yeah um Yeah. So I was there for two years at school. Then I worked in the fitness industry for five years. And during that time, I realized that I could have a healthy fit body, but did not necessarily mean that I loved myself. And I realized also that a lot of my own love and how much I cherish myself was also based off of external validation or how I viewed myself. And over the years, then I realized that that's, I I start to ask myself, like, what what is it that we can actually nail down to put this into an actual process? Because right now it's like, if I love myself or don't, is it just a random, how I feel based off of the day, based off of if I like that outfit or if my body feels good that day. And I was like, there's gotta be more than that. So I really nailed it down to that. Love is actually an action. And so self-love is then an action. And when you get into the state of self-love, which I believe self-love is doing the things for yourself to help you become that best, truest, most ideal version of yourself. So essentially just be you, who you really are meant to be. When you do those things, then you get to this state of self-love. So it's kind of like practicing gratitude. If you practice gratitude, eventually you become grateful. 
And if you are like, but I, I'm not being grateful right now. I just don't feel grateful. It's like, okay, well then go back to practicing gratitude. It's, they kind of work together. I guess you could say the same thing for fitness. If you're like, well, I don't feel fit right now. I can't lift this heavy thing. It's like, well, go back and start doing the training again and then you'll get fit. But it's this, it really is this continuous thing. And you can't just stop at any point. You can't stop doing the actions that are loving for yourself because then you, you lose it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I find this very interesting because there's always the origin of where something starts. And I know in fitness or exercise, the reason why gyms kind of came to be was people weren't living the lifestyle they did before gyms existed. So people weren't farming all the time, being outside. They started to get unhealthy. Gyms open up. People go in there to get healthy. There was an issue. With things like self-love, you know, what's the origin of that? Where would someone, like, why is that now a, a, a occupation for you? Why, why do you have a job in this now? And maybe it wasn't around 20 years ago. I think a lot of it is because of the amount of comparison we do to what we see online. I think we have so much more access to seeing what those really high performers are either in fitness and life and success. Like we see it all the time. We'll see this. Oh, I have to have this car to be super happy. I have to have my body look this way. Or if that, that guy's got these, these PRs, I've got to be able to lift like that guy. And we don't remember that it's everyone's putting their best foot forward. What we're seeing, it's just the surface. Mm-hmm. And so we start playing that comparison game and we start saying that what's the norm or in our mind, we think what's the norm, which is actually not normal. It's that actually that top 1%. We start to think I have to do that. And if I can't do that, then I must not be good enough. So if I'm not good enough, then why would I be deserving of love? Mm-hmm. And there's that side of it. But I think that there's also goes it goes back down to our own individual experiences as as kids like everything goes back to somewhere in there we're meeting making machines and somewhere along the way we saw something we observed something we were told something which then we just internalized and we've somehow got to that belief of i'm not good enough i'm not lovable or i just have to be different than i am in order to be loved and good enough Mm -hmm. To fall into this this type of field yourself, you must have a you must have a story. Yes, I've got a I've got a pretty interesting one. Um, so I I don't know if you know any of this story, but I was homeschooled all the through high school. I'm one of nine kids. Um, and That's almost I, ten. Almost ten kids. That's a lot of kids. It's a lot of kids. So everyone right now who's homeschooling their kids through through COVID. I was, my, my parents are like the OGs in that. They had nine of us at home. They were homeschooling and we lived out in the middle of a small town in the middle of nowhere. So they, they were real champs. <laughs> do, they, do they have any books or any videos or? <laughs> oh yeah. We, we followed all the curriculum. So no, when, no, no. For them to teach parents how to do that. I mean, if they could oh. do it with nine, they could do it with nine. And I mean, I'm sitting here almost punting my children out the window on a daily <laughs> basis. Fridays way more than Mondays. I remember one thing that they did, which was awesome, was they had daily, it was called quiet time. Every day, no matter what, from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m., everyone went to their bed and that's where they would do their reading homework. That's where they would do whatever writing homework or they could sleep or whatever else. But it was just the entire house. It was like an, a siesta almost, right? Like it's like that's the entire house about shut to say. Yeah, siesta. And it was, it was great because if my mom was tired, she could sleep. If she wanted to do her own thing or watch a show or check her email, she could do that. But everyone just knew, yeah, you go to your bed and you're quiet an hour. Yeah. That's how I it is. Wrote, I just yeah. wrote that down. 
We call it timeout at my house, but I think if I change the word, you know, and instead say it's going to be quiet time, I might plan it because I don't plan timeouts. It's always a default. But sometimes, you know, when Tuesday rolls around, like I'm all out of timeouts. I gave them all out on Monday, halfway through Tuesday. Um, so you were homeschooled, nine kids. Yeah. And I was raised very religious. So we went to mass four or five days a week. We were saying the rosary every night. Like I, I remember a lot of religion, a lot of enforced beliefs about this is how you live. This is right. This is wrong. And so when I eventually then at age 18, 19, when I officially left the church, I was like, well, then my purpose in life before was to know, love and serve God. But now what's my purpose? And I was like, well, I don't know. So I moved to Ottawa, worked here for a year. And then I was like, well, I got to figure out something. So I was, I was going back and forth between, do I get into fitness or do I get into outdoor adventure stuff? Because I came to realize, I know that I'm a human being and I'm going to have to take care of my body if I want to be able to have a whole life, right? Mm. I'm a very logical person. So I was like, well, I guess then I'll go into fitness. So that's how I ended up in the fitness industry. I remember showing up. I still remember one of my first classes when they're just talking about stuff. I didn't know what a bench press was. I'm in fitness and health promotion. And like, I remember my first assignment, I got 10% on because I was like, I don't fucking know. It <laughs> was like, they're like, here's a bench press. I was like, what's what? Like, I didn't even learn how to do a squat until the end of my second year, because a couple months into the program, I sprained my ankle. Mm. And then I was in a cast for six weeks. And then after that, just didn't rehab it properly. And I didn't know anything about fitness and was still figuring it out. Right. It was like, no, I can just push through this. I'll be fine. Um, so I wasn't even till second year and I learned how to do squat, but that was my beginning of my fitness journey, which now looking back hundred percent was actually from a place of what's my purpose and my place in the world. I don't know, but I get a lot of attention for my body and for my looks. So I better make sure I can stay fit and healthy. Otherwise, Likewise. Other, yeah. <laughs> otherwise, like what value do I have to the world? Mm -hmm. I was, it was really just that I was saying like, what do I get attention for? I'm not in this religious community anymore. I'm trying to find my place in the world. What do I get acknowledgement for that? Well, I, I guess I should probably go in there. So un underneath everything, that's what was happening. So even just starting off in the fitness industry, there was a lot of, me trying to prove myself and wanting to get the acknowledgement and the the acceptance and appreciation of others because I just hadn't learned how to fall in love with myself. I'd never been taught that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something which we're not taught as kids in general. We're taught how to meet other people's needs and how to love other people, but we're not really taught how to connect to ourselves and say, what do I need? Like, how, how am I amazing? How do I have gifts I can give to the world? And how can I actually really fall in love with myself and love who I am from a place of, of just compassion and humility, not from a place of ego. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of how I first started to get into the, into the whole self-love thing. And it's, it's been a journey. There's been a whole bunch of other things I can jump into, but yeah, that's, that's how it started. Do you think... Do you think that fitness is different in the sense that, you know, we want to look good, you know, our value is what can we do with a barbell, a dumbbell? What can we do for health? What can we do based on our looks? Do you think that's different than other occupations? If you were to compare it to um, police, you get hired on as a police officer. What is your value at the low level as a police officer? It's, I don't know, your ability to pull someone over and give a ticket, 
do your paperwork, maybe do a fitness test. Like, do you think fitness is different than other jobs? In some ways, yes, just because of society and how we've been conditioned and we are pretty superficial. Mm -hmm. We're taught how to, the assumptions we make off of a person based off of what we see and what they look like and what they can form, especially in the fitness industry, you see it all the time. You see the, the fitness trainer who looks really, really fit, who doesn't know shit, who's messing up all their clients, but people still keep going to them yeah. because of how they look. Mm-hmm. What's one of those things? Do I think it's right? No. But do I think it's the reality? Yes. Do I also think that there's some trainers who know their shit, but they're not practicing it. And so therefore they don't look the part and then they don't get the clients. Do I think that those trainers should be getting more clients? Yes and no. I think they can really help people, but I think that on that personal level, you need to evolve yourself to a certain point if you really want to be able to help people as much as you can. I think we have a responsibility to use the knowledge we have, right? So with mm-hmm. great power comes great responsibility, right? Yes, yes. And Peter Parker. You, yeah, and if you mm-hmm. but if you know something, that's great power. So if you know how to honor your body, if you know how to take care of yourself and true, and I believe that's loving yourself. Movement is love. Rest is love. Nutrition is love. And if you know those things and you're not doing it, I really think that people are actually not loving themselves just because it's it, the reality is it's hard. Mm-hmm. Could you say that um, loving yourself, is there a correlation with confidence? Yes. When somebody is loving themselves, then they know intrinsically that they are showing up exactly as who they are with the best of their ability. So naturally they will be more confident because they know the truth deep down is that this is me and this is enough. Mm-hmm. And someone, a lot, a lot of people, I hear them say that they want more confidence be, and then they'll be able to start to do things. But when somebody is looking for confidence, often what it is is it's they're actually looking for courage and they just don't want to admit that I just am not courageous enough to start this because this is scary, right? The same thing when people, they say, oh, if I was more confident, I would wear that outfit, right? Yes, but maybe it's, you have to be more courageous to wear that outfit, or maybe it's that there's actually something else underneath there that you just don't want to admit to yourself. Something like maybe you just haven't been sticking to your, your, your nutrition or your, your, your exercise routine the way you want to, to honor and love yourself. But it's easier to say, I just don't have the confidence rather than putting on that outfit realizing, oh, I've not been loving myself and now I have to create change because change is hard. That's mm-hmm. just change is hard. Mm-hmm. I wore the same pair of shorts three days in a row. I know all about that. COVID things. <laughs> <laughs> in the fitness industry, we will see people who are physically attractive. You know, they're symmetrical. They got a nice spray on tan. They work out regularly. Is it possible that sometimes these people may look amazing, but they don't love themselves at all. 100%. And I think it's, it's important to say you can have the people who look like that and do not love themselves, but you will also have people who look like that and do love themselves. Mm -hmm. And the look does not correlate to the amount of love and the feeling. And you can be in that place of being completely fit and healthy looking, 
but also when you then start to tap into your being and you start to look at the different systems and say, okay, what is fit and what is healthy, right? Maybe they are fit. Maybe they can do things, but healthy, are they mentally healthy? Is there are like maybe muscularly they're healthy, but what's their digestive system? Like what's their lymphatic system? Like what's their, what's well, all the other parts, right? We're not just one health done. There's so many different aspects to us. So I think you also have to be really honest with yourself and check in and say, okay, am I in love with myself? Yes, maybe, but also am I actively taking care of myself? And if I know that I don't know something or that's not my specialty, am I actively then seeking out the knowledge and the person who does know that? So that way I can continue to love myself. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure it's the same thing as being a dad, right? If you're like, oh, I'm doing the best I can to love my kids. But if you're like, well, shit, like, I don't really know what I'm doing here. If you know that you know that you're what, if you know that you do not know what you're doing, then it's your responsibility as a loving father to go figure out how can I do this better? It's the same thing with yourself. You really mm -hmm. just got to love yourself the way you'd love your kid. Yes. All I know is what I don't know. And I know I want to know more than I don't know. You know? I, <laughs> <laughs> I totally understand. That's why I've always tried to set the bar low with raising kids. It's more about keep them alive. You know, like, Every day I wake up, they're alive. I got to make sure by the time they go to bed, they are still alive. I've set the bar low and I found that pretty good. It's pretty effective. Uh, the wife, on the other hand, uh, a little bit more. She's like, you got you to still feed them more regularly. Um, talking about individual bodies, because we work in fitness. We see this all the time that people might, might be healthy and you know whatever healthy is the, these days. But people can still have body images you know, if they define themselves just how they look. And I'll attest to that, especially being in uh, the coaching side, when I've worked with, with people who do shows, they get up on stage, they do all this 16, 20, 24 weeks of training, you know, they're not eating a carbohydrate, they feel like garbage, they haven't had a cycle in two months, they get up on stage, they flex, they get a $5 medal, they go, they eat some Reese's peanut butter cups. And then the next day, like their abs are gone. And then they just, they, it's called post-show blues is a term that's not scientific, but they fall into these crazy depressions because their value and their worth has always been on that one moment on the stage. Do you deal with people like this regularly? Oh, you, hello. Oh, like, and it's, it's one of those things, like I said, like I got into fitness and I did, I based a lot of my value based off of my, my body. And I know here's, here's the thing is, you can know logically that something's really not the truth, but if part of your being still for some reason believes that, that's, that's like, you're like, I'm like, I know I'm good enough. I know that I don't need to be fitter or I know that like, I mean, I'm, I'm probably sitting around 18% body fat right now. Right. And there still are days where I'll look in the mirror and I'll catch myself being like, Oh, but yeah, but you were a little bit leaner a couple of weeks ago or whatever. And it's like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Like, where, where did that come from? <laughs> and again, society has shown us in many ways through, we see the pictures of everyone who's up on stage, or if you're competing, you see everyone when they're up on stage. If you compete in, in like powerlifting, same thing, you'll see someone like, oh, like my lift isn't as heavy as this person's. There's so much comparison going on because we compare ourselves to what that high standard is. And some of it is it well, it's all learned at some point, mm -hmm. right? 
Um, but some of it is learned just through society and other ones have been learned from different life experiences. I have a vivid memory. I remember I would, let me do some math. So my youngest sisters are 14. They were, she was probably one of my twin sisters was probably one at the time. So 13 years ago, I'm 27 now, I was probably 14. So I have this vivid memory of playing with one of these one-year-old twins and they're whatever, playing around. Um, and hold I, on, hold on, hold on. Of the nine kids, there's a pair of twins in there too? Yeah, the youngest are twins. The last ones were twins? Yeah. Oh, your poor parents. <laughs> rip, rip parents. Your last one of nine were twins. Wow. Really Good funny them. story. Funny story. Two weeks before we found out my mom was pregnant with twins, one of the other fathers in the in the community, he he told my mom, he says, I've been praying for you to have redheaded twins. So of course she had the twins. And then afterwards, my my mom actually she ended up having it was too bad she had some miscarriages. But one when she was pregnant. Again, afterwards, the same gentleman came up to her at one point, looked her straight in the eyes and said, Kristen, I've been praying for you to have triplets. And she's like, stop praying, stop <laughs> praying. <laughs> Put down the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> funny. But yeah, um, I completely forgot where we were. Sorry, so we, were, we were going on. You were telling a story about one time you were with your sisters. They were oh. one-year-old. You were holding them. So I was with my sister's one-year-old, we're playing around and I thought it was hilarious. I took this marker and I drew eyes on top of my belly button. Mm -hmm. And I was walking around talking with my belly button. I thought it was the funniest thing ever. It really was. If, if Okay, speaking of COVID, things to do with your kids, do that. Like draw on it, take some little short videos. You could make a great reel or like funny short stories. Kids, I'm doing that with my wife tonight. Nice, do it. <laughs> <laughs> draw some things, see what yeah. happens. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was talking away, making funny sounds and faces, whatever else. And my one-year-old sister looks at it, kind of starts laughing and pointing. She goes, oh, it has chubby cheeks. Mm. And I just remember my mm. whole being was like, oh, like it's like I, that was the first time I'd ever like looked at my body and was like, oh, that's, that's not like, oh, my one-year-old sister can tell in fact, which I wasn't. If you look back at like long, lanky kid, like mm -hmm. I was not, but in my head for some reason that's what I thought right and so and I, I remember then afterwards going into being like oh like there's there's something wrong with my body it's not supposed to look like that and then I would see the the pictures and go like of people in fitness or whatever else being like oh like I, I just want that I just want to I just want to be that beautiful being and so I know that back in there there's different beliefs about how I need to look a certain way in order to be good enough in order to be loved and I know that's not the truth here, but some days in my heart and in my being, I don't remember that because it's been conditioned into us mm -hmm. or into me, right? So it's the, it's the same thing for everybody else. You can end up being a very beautiful externally looking being or someone who's like, and does, they have the health and all that there, but we still have these judgments on ourselves and there's no, no one's ever going to judge you as hard as you're going to judge yourself. And you have to say, okay, like, why do I do that? And it does, it goes back to beliefs. And then how do we get over that? How do we get over those beliefs? Because that's a huge thing. We can say, okay, great. Like there, I know there's nothing wrong with my body up in my head, but I still don't believe it. How do you change that? And it's through a combination of two things. It's through knowledge and through experience. And through the knowledge point is using logic and just asking yourself, is this the truth? Is this the truth? And usually when you start to ask yourself, is this the truth? You'll, well, one is you'll get either a yes or a no right? Most of the time when we deep down know it's actually not the truth, 
we'll then have that shift. We'll just go, no, it's not. But if you are like, you know what? Part of me still believes that this is the truth. Mm-hmm. Then what you do is you ask yourself, okay, how do I know this to be the truth? I'm like, well, Cosmopolitan said so. <laughs> it's like, right. oh, <clears throat> and who gave Cosmopolitan the authority to tell you whether or not your body was good enough the way it is right now? Oh, that's right. So it's really just going down and just breaking down. Where is it that we got this information anyways? Where did this story start? So that can help with the knowledge side of things and changing it up here in the head. And then through experience, that's going to be how you're going to then change it on that feelings level, right? So I had the experience of my little sister telling me I had chubby cheeks, which isn't like I made the story about it. It doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. I was the one who added meaning to it. But then when you have more experiences of, because my brain said, never do that again. It's going to mean you're humiliated, all these other things. And then you have the experience where, you know what, you wear something, you go to the beach and you realize you've got some chubby cheeks and no one fucking cares. Yeah. It's like, oh shit. Mm -hmm. That new experience will then reinforce that belief of realizing that is actually not the truth. I have a new Mm -hmm. experience. I've got new evidence now shifting it and going back to that confidence and courage thing. That's why courage is so important because Mm -hmm. if you wait until you have confidence, until you start wearing the thing to try to make yourself feel better or showing up in a certain way, it's never going to happen because you have to have courage to go out, get the experience, which will then give you that new belief, which will then give you the confidence. Mm -hmm. So, so what I'm hearing is um, self-love has a form of confidence or courage, as you said, and it is learned sometimes like these bad behaviors or bad thoughts. They're learned from something happening in your life, whether it's your baby sister saying something to you or cosmopolitan say if you're not 8% body fat, then, then something's wrong with you. But then when you go into an experience and then you learn from experience, it's not so bad. That's a way to, to get over this. Yes. Is that, am I correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Curveball time. You ready? Throwing it at you. I'm your client. Chris Fudge comes in, right? COVID has been doing him really good. He's 45% body fat. He's been wearing the same pair of shorts for about four weeks now. Cause they're super comfortable. I come in and I say, Hey, I feel, I feel unhealthy. I'm probably unhealthy, right? I'm, I probably am at that body fat percentage. There's probably a few things going on. Do you then address the health issue or do you build up self-love? Like, could you still have some self-love and not be healthy? It completely depends on the person. And we know that our physiology massively affects our brain and our mental health. So that's the thing is there might be some people you can help them make these logical connections in their brain, but they can't actually sustain them without having the physical health portion. So it may be that you have to then work on the physical health first to be able to maintain the mental health. Mm -hmm. There's going to be other people who you then they're, they're not able to start doing any of the physical work until they switch that that mindset. And then, so that's what it is. It's walking them through it, asking them the questions and helping them find that experience to give them more proof and belief that I actually am good enough. I now have the courage to be able to start the physical exercise piece, but there's, there's never going to be, Oh, this is how you do it because self-love it's not, there's not a cookie cutter, right? It's the same Mm -hmm. thing as fitness. Everyone wants the magic pill. How do I do it? Tell me exactly how to do it and I'll be done right? Everyone wants it. Tell me exactly how to do it and I'll be done. The best thing I can tell you for self-love is it's self-responsibility. So self-responsibility means asking yourself, okay, what do I know? What do I not know? What works for me in regards to taking care of myself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, 
what tools have I tried that just don't work, even if they work for somebody else, they don't work for me. So then it's my responsibility to say, that's not for me. What tools do I know work for me, but I'm just being really stubborn because I just don't like doing the work. And maybe do I have to actually just say, you know what, if I really want the results, I got to do this. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's really that it's self-love is self-responsibility. You got to be real with yourself and say, all right, what do I need? Because that's something else, like, like you mentioned too, like if somebody walks in and they are not healthy, that's something else that we don't want to admit. We don't want to admit that to ourselves because it means yeah. we have to change. Mm-hmm. And what I've come to realize is resistance is really one of three things, right? So especially like for myself, if I'm resistant to something, so say I'm resistant to wearing something, right? That normally, like if, if I wear something, I say, I'm like, okay, cool. Why? Right. It's either because I have a belief about something, but is not actually the truth. But part of me believes that to be the case. So because that I'm resistant to it, right? I might say, oh, I can't wear this outfit, right? This isn't, this isn't okay. I don't look great in this. I don't look very healthy. I don't, I'm not attractive. This isn't okay, right? And then I say, okay, cool. Let's go into that. Is that the truth or is that a belief? No, it's, it's just a belief. The truth is I'm just feeling a little bit uncomfortable right now because my old belief popped up. But the truth is I can wear this and I actually, like, I look great. I feel great. It's just my, my brain was set to that you have to be at the cosmopolitan standard, right? Mm -hmm. Or the muscle magazine standard instead of what's reality, right? Mm -hmm. What in reality Mm -hmm. is healthy, not what in reality is average and normal, because I would also argue and say that that's not actually loving yourself because we are in a pretty sick culture right now. It's it's just most people are sick. Yeah, it's, um, it's very interesting where the fitness industry promotes a look, a look equates a value. A look equates a value. I know a lot of people look great and they don't, they got no value. They have no value to society. They got no value to my life. They look good. They, they might be broke. They may not contribute to society. They may not be helping anybody. They may be taking, taking, taking. And then if I work with them, they might be broken in five or six different areas. I mean, ironically, a lot of the fit people that I end up working with over time, when I start working, they're wrecked. Their digestive systems are messed up. They don't sleep. They live off, they live off diuretics. They live off anabolics. They live off um, caffeine, caffeine, caffeine. And I'm like, whoa, you look great, but you're not in a good spot from a a health perspective. Health is so like, I I don't even know what health is. Like, what is it? Who lives the longest, right? Like it's hard to define what, what health is, but what would you define health? Or when you work with people, they say, I want to be healthy. I ask them. Mm. And I think, I think it's a combination of two things. One is asking them, but also then showing them the science, especially if we're talking about physical health, right? Showing them the science of what do these different measurements mean? Someone can say, well, I feel healthy. And I'm like, yeah, but you weigh 400 pounds, mm-hmm. right? You may feel healthy, but the reality of what science is saying is you're not. And, and I, can, I teach a self-awareness and self-management course. And in there, we talk about intuition. And talk about learning to trust your intuition, learning how to like connect to like that gut feeling and really trust it. But I am very specific in saying this takes time to be really in tune with and you have to be so honest with yourself and be able to be so humble to know when this actually isn't the truth and when you don't want to look at something. Um, going back to the resistant thing, like, are you just resistant to something? And so because of that, you you're telling yourself this is your intuition and that this is okay for me to do or whatever else. But saying like, if you aren't really in tune with that intuition, then you trust science. Mm-hmm. That's just trust science, right? Mm-hmm. Science will tell you, you're like, am I healthy? I think so. I feel great. 
okay, let's take a moment. Let's look at science, right? So for you, for your age, for your height, this is a healthy weight. This is a healthy amount of exercise to be doing for weeks. So this is the lifestyle you'd want to live. This is what your meals are going to look like. Is that what it looks like? Well, no. Okay. So then maybe is there a possibility that you actually aren't healthy? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So it's just, it's that it's opening up that conversation and some people, they don't want to look at that. Right. I didn't want to, I didn't want to look at that. My relationship with food and exercise was unhealthy because it meant that I had to come face to face with the reality that I wasn't okay with myself. That's uncomfortable when you're like, like, Oh wait, I'm not okay with being me. That's why like the two things at the top of my website say, love yourself, be excited to live because those were the two things I didn't have. When I got real with myself, I hated myself. I didn't like being me. I just wanted everybody else to love me because that would make me feel better. And if I looked a certain way and if I lifted a certain amount of stuff, like the reality was, was I had more people like, like that. Like I got so much attention for that. So that's going back to the experience thing, right? How that gives you, you need to get new experiences to realize it's okay. I kept getting experiences, which were going back to that old belief, reinforcing the belief that people like you more if you look this way. And I have to be so careful with myself even now, because I know, I know when I want to share something really important or sell something, if I put up a picture of me in a sports bra showing off my body, I get way more attention. Same. So it's, <laughs> so it's, you, you know that, right? It's like, I, I, no, not to, to be serious. I understand exactly what you're saying. And unfortunately that is the culture that, that we live in. So it's, and, and knowing that that's how that is. So knowing like it can really mess with you, mm. but going back to, I don't remember what I was talking about before that. Um, that's okay. That's okay. One of the happiest per- people I know, one of the happiest people I know. And if you met him, you wouldn't be like, that's a happy guy, but he, he doesn't really say that anything's bad in his life. He's very accepting of where his life is. He's a grandfather. He doesn't care what anybody in the world thinks. He's captain. I don't give a fudge. This is my dad. This is my dad. My dad wears military wool socks in August and he's wearing my basketball shoes from grade 11 today right now. Cause he doesn't care what anyone else thinks, but I would say that my dad's very happy. Mm-hmm. Would you rather be happy and not healthy or healthy and not happy? Definitely happy and not healthy. Definitely. And it's, it's something And I remember too, when I was working with clients in the fitness industry, when I was doing more of that, um, I would tell them, I was like, your mental health is number one. I would way prefer us to look at the lifestyle and everything that you're doing and see shifts in regards to your relationship with your family, your kids, your happiness level, your contentment. I'd way prefer you to be living in this bubble of being super unhealthy and thinking everything's great than being the opposite, being super healthy and your inner world just being a disaster because when you're happy and you're that joy and you're that light even if you're not healthy on the outside you're so much more you're just that light you can give so much more to the world Mm -hmm. and when you're healthy but not happy I would say that is the definition of not being you because you are you and if your body, your body's part of you. It's something, but it's not all of you. If it's not healthy, then part of you is unhealthy, but your mind, your soul, your, your, the things that light you up, if everything there, that consciousness part of you, if that's not happy and alive, 
then you, I really would say are more unhealthy than if just your body is unhealthy. Mm -hmm. My my dad's one of the most unhealthy person, people I know, hands down, but he seems very content and very, very happy. And I'll tell you a quick story. When I was younger once living with them, I did a crazy lower body workout. And then I was coming up the stairs and I was like in agonizing pain. And I come into the kitchen and my dad's like, what's wrong with you? And I said, down, my legs are just, they're toast. They're so sore. He's like, why? And I'm like, well, I worked out yesterday. And he goes, see, that's why I don't work out. Legs feel fine. So the reason why I told you that story is where does nutrition and exercise play in the role of, you know, self-love? Because, you know, my dad would say things to me sometimes like you, you work out too much with no basis of understanding, except for maybe he sees his child limping around, his legs are sore, which as a parent now I would agree. But, you know, is there a time place where when we exercise, are we obsessive or are we giving ourselves self-love? And if we just pass on ice cream, are we obsessive about our nutrition or are we, you know, being, being good to ourselves? Mm -hmm. And this is going to be going back to that. There's no cookie cutter and it's going to be completely different. It's also going to be completely different at different times. So it's going to be different for everyone, different at different times and know that it's not about the action, but it's about the honest intention behind it as well. Right. So I could be, I could be eating a certain diet, working out, following a certain thing and doing it from a place of, I need to make myself look this way or hit this health or whatever else from that place intrinsically being motivated from fear because I'm not good enough now, therefore I've got to do this. Or I could be doing the exact same workout, the exact same diet and nutrition plan, but doing it from this place of, I love and honor myself and I'm going to choose to do this from a place of it's going to challenge me to become better. So doing the exact same thing from two different places, one is going to be healthy. One is not. Mm -hmm. So it's not as much about the, what exactly you're doing. It's more from where the intention, where it's coming from. And like I said before, a lot of people, this is where they'll say like, Oh, like, how do I feel like, you know what? I'm going to be gentle with myself and I'm going to not work out today, or I'm going to be gentle. I'm going to eat this thing of ice cream. You can, if you're very in tune with yourself and what that, that intuition is. But most of us, when I say, you know what, intuitively, I think I'm supposed to eat ice cream. 99% of the time, that thing that I think is intuition, my energetic body speaking to me is called hormones. (laughs) (laughs) It's my body's looking for dopamine. It's not actually loving myself by eating the ice cream. It's just, that's what feels good in the moment. So you're saying if somebody craves ice cream, it could be their hormones. Because if that's the case, I've been on my period for 30 years. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) well like but hormones hormones and chemistry Mm. right so like sugar affects your chemistry right it throws off your hormones right so when i say hormones i don't just mean specifically women hormones Mm -hmm. i mean all of them right i mean like you talk about leptin and ghrelin and everything else right like it messes with you Mm -hmm. so if there's other things going on like it may just be that It's the same as when you pick up your phone and you start scrolling, you're getting the dopamine hit, right? Our beings are wired to get these hits. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I I see it. I see it as a parent all the time with uh, kids, games, computers, screen time. And we've got very strict rules in our house about that because I see it. I've been in it. I've seen, I see clients with it all the time and you're right. They're getting that dopamine kick again and again and again, over and over. And it's, it's addictive. It's hard to get away from. 
is, is that something that's constant with, with your practice? Like, do you work with people that come in and they're always like dopamine addicts? Yeah, I think we all are. And I think it's becoming very obvious right now during COVID as well, because we're bored. Like we're so bored and we're so used to always being able to have a dopamine hit that we don't even know how to be bored. I was literally, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, why is it that I can feel myself going back to my old patterns of binge eating? I was like, why am I doing that? I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm just bored. And I know that that's a way that I can get a dopamine hit and get pleasure because right now, to be frank, there's not much else fun stuff going on. Yeah. But that's okay. Who said that wasn't okay? <laughs> we've just decided we have to make our life super exciting all the time because that's what we've gotten used to. We've gotten used to those dopamine hits. Mm-hmm. So, I'm pretty conscious of this. Back in November, I got off of Netflix and I'm still dragged into TV. I'm st- I still do these things. I would, if you look at the averages and what's considered healthy for TV time, for nutrition, for movement, like I'm there. I've, I do all this stuff and I find it hard. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine where other people are and that they would find it hard. But going back to the healthy thing, it's, it's one of those things, my goals for me and the things that light me up and make me feel amazing, those are mine. Mm-hmm. And it's not my job to enforce those on everybody else. It's just ask other people and say, what do you honestly think is loving for you? What do you want? And then how can we help you get to there? What's healthy for you? Mm-hmm. What's loving for you? Because it's going to be different for everybody. And also knowing that, you know what, it's okay. It's not that you are lazy. It's not that anything else. It's, it's okay if you just don't want to do the work that's all right. Like, it's okay. If you realize like, you know what, I don't want to do workouts. I don't want to follow this nutrition plan. Yeah. I think people, I think people need to be realistic sometimes. And you talked before about, um, I think you said that there's a, an experience that happens and then there's an education part and you can learn, okay, this is why you feel like this, this happened, but then here's the reality of it. Sometimes people are, you know, they see the reality. They're like, okay, it's not so bad. I'm at the beach in a bathing suit. No one's looking. I, we see it in the gym. Everybody thinks everybody's staring at them in the gym. So nobody's staring at anybody in the gym, but themselves. And then the more you go to the gym, you actually start looking good. You're going to sp- spend more time staring at yourself anyway. No one's ever looking at you. Um, do you think that um, there is a, a correlation with lack of confidence in today's society because people are not being praised as much? Because I, you know, I think that there is a lot of praise you can look at things like sports. Everybody gets a trophy. They have initiatives in school systems. Leave no kid behind. It's bad for their self-esteem. It's bad for their confidence. So it seems like there's a, a lot of people are getting told they're amazing, but yet now there's an, there's an occupation like yourself to help people that are not getting it. So do you think that the, the social media has taken over what society is trying to do to make people feel better? Yeah. And well, you, you nailed it there when you said too, that like everybody gets a trophy. Mm. So that's the thing is we are being talking about beliefs and being conditioned We're we're on one side, we're thinking we're not good enough, but on the other side, we're being told that we're awesome. When the reality is, is maybe we're just normal or maybe we're even less than average. Maybe we suck, but also that's okay. Right. We, I think that we, we don't know how for it to be okay to just not be okay or not be great at something and just be like, and that's fine, right? Same thing with 
the the person being healthy or fit saying like you know what maybe you just don't want to be healthy and fit and that's okay like yeah but this is super uncomfortable i don't like it well then change but mm-hmm. you can't have both yeah you can't be saying but i want it to be i want to feel great and be fit and healthy but i also don't want to do the work but i want to feel this and not have to do that like it doesn't it doesn't work that way and and like you said like there's we're taught everyone's given the trophy so we're taught that you're doing great you're awesome it's great and then we're like, wait a second, I just applied for a job and I didn't get it. Wait a second, I just went to this competition now and I tried to lift this thing and I still didn't, I didn't do the best. Someone else, like we, I think in many ways were set up for failure in that way as well because we, that again, going back to ego, there's the either you're better than or you're worse than. So there's also part of us which is taught just that you're better than maybe you are. Mm-hmm. And not to say that, you're not good enough, but to say that maybe you're not as great as you think you are. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not the fittest person out there and that's okay. So when I look in the mirror and I say, okay, well, maybe Marissa, you're not fit enough. Is that the truth? No. Is it the truth that you're not the fittest person out there? Yes. And what? Nothing. There's a lot of people out there. It's okay not to be the fittest. (laughs) I mean, how many billions are on the planet? It's okay not to be number one. Uh, Research has shown that it's actually it's been tested again and again and proven that when you, when you give a child and you give people compliments and you say that they're good, you give them trophies and then they realize they didn't deserve it and they know they don't deserve it. It actually decreases their self-esteem and their confidence and makes them worse than if they had just gotten the fifth place position anyway. That's having a side effect because you're, you're right. They go and they apply for that job and they don't get that job. And then they feel even worse because they were told they were great and they weren't great and they're great. It's kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Do you work with people who um, come in and they're in those situations? And if so, how do you, how do you counter that? How do you deal with that? Do you do tell them, let's be realistic here? Well, sometimes you have to ask. And it's, so what I do is a lot of asking people questions. I should probably break that down first. So life coaching similar to personal training, you can say, I'm a personal trainer. You're like, great. What's that mean? <laughs> right. You have the person who sits at the machine and counts reps. You've got the person who understands a whole bunch of neurology stuff and they can do a ton of other crazy stuff. Right. Like it means so many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, if I was to put myself on the trainer scale, I would put myself like an intermediate level trainer, right. After my, my years in the fitness industry. And I know a decent amount, but I also know enough to know that I really don't know that much. I know when to refer out and all that, right? So that's kind of me on trainer scale wise. I would argue if you know when to refer out, you're at the high level. Okay. Because when people are not referring out and they're trying to do things, they may not have the skill set to do it. They get into trouble physically. Like the, the, the clients don't get where they want to be or they get worse off. So I would always say if you're the type of trainer that is quick to refer out to a specialist and you stay inside your scope or your ability then you're, you're, you're the advanced trainer. You're, you're up there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. So there's many different ranges of trainers, right? So same thing with life coaches, you're going to get, it's, it's such an unregulated industry now, especially just because it's just started the past couple of years, but the best way I could put a life coach is they're facilitators of change. Mm. Right. So they help facilitate change. 
that can mean so many different things. So you're going to have the people who just ask them basic questions to start to and put people through programs. You're going to have people on the other end who also have psych degrees and all the other stuff and can do amazing things and hypnotherapy and NLP practitioners and all that. You're going to have that and everything else in between. So what I do with people is I do a lot of asking them questions to help them figure out their answers. So I... My, my job is not to just know the answer and give it to them mm-hmm. because then people don't actually learn, right? So that's really what it is, is it saying, okay, how can I sit with this person? How can I see where they are, see where they want to get to? And then based off of my knowledge of the body, psychology, all these other things, how can I give them some tools that they need maybe if they're stuck? But for the most part, it's asking people questions and helping people get really real with themselves because like we said before, like people there's hard things that people don't want to see going back to the number two reason why people are resistant is that there's a truth underneath there that they don't want to see, mm-hmm. right? If you're resistant to wearing that thing, it's because you know, deep down I'm unhealthy. And if I do this, I'm going to look in the mirror. It's going to bring up an emotion, which is going to tell me I'm unhealthy, which means I have to change, right? It's going to bring that up. So it's saying, okay, like, how can I ask the questions to help people gain that new level of self-awareness, which will then bring them to that place where they want to create the change that they want in their life. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is. I love that. If you, if someone's listening here now and they're, they're like, I want some takeaways, what are a couple of takeaways that you would give someone if they wanted to love themselves more, increase their self-love? Number one is going to be self-honesty. So sit with yourself, look in the mirror. It's going to get super uncomfortable. You'll probably get bored, but just kind of sit there and like, look at yourself and be like, okay, what do I need to be honest with myself about? And then ask yourself, if I really loved myself, what would I do to take care of my body? What would I do to take care of my mind? What would I do to take care of my spirit and the things that light me up? What would I do to take care of my family, my friends, my finances, my social life. If I really loved myself, if I was that loving parent, if I was looking at this, like, what would be those things I would do? So I would say number one is sit down and get really, really honest with yourself. Because when you're honest with yourself, then that's going to be when you're going to be able to actually start to create changes. Because if you're still pretending that something isn't there, or if you don't want to see it, or if you don't want to change it, it's not going to happen. Number one would be honesty. Number two, I would, I would really argue is take care of your body because you're as a human being, we have this human body and this human body and taking care of it and making sure it runs well affects our human brain and our human brain affects our mindset and our ability to think, which affects everything else. And it's one of those things that I truly believe that you cannot become that best version of yourself or thrive in finance, in business, in relationships, in anything without taking care of your body. So again, if you can intuitively know what your body needs, beautiful. If not, trust science, right? That, right? It's, I mean, you literally look at the Canadian food guide. If you eat what's on there, you're going to be doing way better than most people, right? It's yes. information is there. Tim Hortons is not on the food guide. Yes. <laughs> These people are wondering. It's not on there. It's not on there, right? Yeah. But like, like do that, right? Like, so breaking down, loving yourself, breaking it down on the, on the body side into three things, nutrition, 
right? If, if you know what else you want to do and eat and whatever feels good for you, amazing, do that. But if not, keep it simple. Just follow the nutrition, the, the Canadian food guide. Keep mm -hmm. it simple. Movement, same thing. Science says do two to three days of resistance training a week, two to three days of HIIT training a week. That's going to help with a whole bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. Don't overcomplicate it. Do that. If you don't know how to do that, get professional help. Same thing with rest. We know that we need to sleep somewhere between seven and nine hours a night. And being really, again, going back to honesty, you really honest with yourself about what does your body need? Not what does the, what, not, not what do you feel like giving it? Not what does it feel easy or doable to give, but what does it need? Mm -hmm. Because you can't cheat the system. You cannot cheat the system of your body and you cannot cheat the system of life and expect to grow and have healthy, vibrant relationships and a bank account and do well in your career and all these other things, all these other aspects of life will not happen if you're not taking care of your body. Mm -hmm. Or at some point it's going to crap out on you. And that's going to be then when you'll have to deal with it all later. Right? We often say like, oh yeah, I'm good today. I'll deal with it later, but eventually it will. So loving yourself, number one, just be really honest with yourself about the different things that you know, you have to take responsibility for. And if you feel stuck, ask for help. Amazing. If mm -hmm. you don't know where to start and write that same thing, ask for help. Amazing. But after that, I'd say it's really taking care of your body. You did mention um, seek out professional help and hey, you are that professional help. Um, what do you have going on right now? You mentioned briefly, you said you have a program where you do. So in my self-awareness and my self-management program, um, I, I really teach people my thought process of how I get really honest with myself and then break everything down to become more aware, but then also manage myself. So in that process, we go through what is motivation, right? How to be motivated from that place of love versus fear or for yourself versus other people. Those We go through some pretty cool stuff in regards to motivation. Going back to loving yourself, you can do the same workout, the same diet from a place of love or a place of hate, right, essentially. Mm -hmm. And it's maybe you'll get the same results physically, but you will not be in the same experience. Um, but we go through motivation. We go through beliefs, where beliefs come from, how you change those. We go through emotions, how those affect you and how do you actually manage those things? Because And the ice cream, how it affects the, the ice cream. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly, right? So it's saying, okay, like how do these things all connect? Same thing, we go through thoughts, right? How your conscious and your unconscious mind work, but then also how do you manage your conscious mind and your thoughts to keep yourself in that mental headspace where you wanna be so you can continue working towards your goals? We go through taking action because a lot of us know exactly what we want to do, but why can't we get ourselves to do that? There's, mm -hmm. there's stuff going on in our brain, which is literally trying to keep us safe and stop us from doing the things that we actually do want to do. So it's going through all these different things and saying, okay, like, who am I? Like, how do I function? And how can I be aware of all these things? So it's easier for me to go through life. It's just mm -hmm. that. So it's an eight week program that I do. I'm halfway through a round of it right now. Um, I have no idea if I'm going to be running it again, or if I'm going to turn it into a program or a course or what, but I, I know people are telling me that this is helping them figure a lot of stuff out. So it's going to be around in some capacity. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I think you touched on a lot of hot topics today and kind of shed some light on it's okay to not feel okay. And that we all don't have to look like the supermodels down the road and that self-love is, is super important in the whole picture of health, which this podcast is about health so i thank you formally for coming on the show thank you so much if somebody wants to get in touch with you what would they do uh best place to follow me is give me on instagram 
Marissa.hammond is my handle. Um, you can also check out my website, marissahammondcoaching.com. I've got a free seven day self-love challenge on there. So Ooh, check that out. It's a lot seven of fun. Day self-love challenge. Okay. I'll put all that stuff in the show notes. So if anyone's listening now, you just got to go to the show notes. It'll all be there for you. Marissa, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate this. It's been my pleasure. Awesome. I, hope, I, I hope to see you sooner than later. Never stop learning because life never stops teaching. If you've learned at least one thing from this podcast and your mission is to help other people, please share this podcast with them. And a reminder, we will be releasing one episode every Monday for the entire year. So make sure to hit subscribe so you get the updated information as soon as possible. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And thank you so much for allowing me to be part of it.